The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Well, good morning, church family. I'm glad each and every one of you were able to be a part today. If you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Colossians chapter number 2. Colossians chapter number 2 is where we will be today. As we continue our series that we're going to do, kind of moving through the fall, entitled Blue Collar Gospel. We, we had a great early morning service at 9.30. Uh, a great group of folks just decided to get up early and come and be a part. And I'm glad for those of you who chose to be with us here at the 11 o'clock service as well. Colossians chapter number 2 is where we'll be in just a moment. Before we get started, um, some of you might know, but uh, I grew up in a family of seven kids. In fact, I was the oldest of seven. Uh, my youngest brother was kind of a little bit of a surprise to my parents. I was actually 18. I was a freshman in college uh, when my mom called me and told me that she was expecting again. And so that was a little bit of a surprise. I told my mom, Mom, I'm, I'm getting too old for this, you know. And, uh, but that's, that's kind of the family I grew up in. And so there was a lot of kids. As you can imagine, as we got to be teenagers, uh, we ate a good amount of food. And so during our teenage years, my parents actually sent me and my brothers uh, we got sent off to camp literally for the entire summer uh, just to go work and to serve and you know I think they just wanted to uh, kind of help us with our work ethic a little bit and honestly uh, they never said this but I think they were just trying to save some money on their grocery bill probably uh, as well and so for the entire summer we would we would do that and uh, the camp that we would go to uh, was in Flagstaff, Arizona. How many of you have been to Flagstaff before? You've been to Arizona, Flagstaff? And uh, I remember on one particular occasion, we were there, a group of my friends, and uh, we decided that we were going to go climb one of the highest peaks outside of Flagstaff. Uh, the name of the mountain there on the left was called Mount Eldon. And, and, and as a 14, 15-year-old, I thought, you know what? How hard could it possibly be uh, to climb something? I mean, from the bottom, I was like, oh, man, what, what's it going to take? Half an hour, an hour maybe, or something like that. Uh, I will just say uh, my 15-year-old discernment was uh, very, very short. It, it was way, way bigger of a task than I originally intended, and it was killing us. I remember we got probably halfway up this thing, and I was just dying, you know? I mean, it might as might as well been like, you know, Mount Everest or something for me. I was like, this is, there's no way I'm going to make it up. I, my, I was just incredibly tired. I was exhausted. I just literally, I mean, my lungs were on fire. My legs were on fire. And I remember looking over at my counselor who we were going up with, who's kind of, kind of helping us along the way. And I said, I remember saying to him, I'm not sure I know uh, how to keep going at this thing, you know? And I remember making that statement. And uh, the counselor looked over at us, and he says, you, you want me to tell you the secret on how to keep going? He says, he says you, you keep going uh, the same way you started. You put one foot in front of the other. You keep going the same way you started. You put one foot in front of the other. In fact, he said, you know what? Uh, the way you finish this thing is the same way you started. You put one foot in front of the other. And uh, he kind of just communicated that. And, and, you know, when I read this passage, that's exactly kind of what is being taught here by the Apostle Paul. He's saying, hey, the way you continue in the Christian faith is the same way we get started. And so we're going to unpack this idea today as we talk about grace and faith. For those of you who are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand as we read uh, Colossians here, uh, chapter number 2. I'm going to be reading verse number 6, verse number 7, and then we'll dive into the study here today. The Bible says in Colossians chapter number 2, verse number 6, it says this. 
as you therefore. Now, whenever you see the word therefore, you know, Bible theologians will tell you, you kind of have to go back and figure out what that means. Because uh, the Apostle Paul is saying that because of something he said before. And basically, what he was telling the church at Colossae is, hey, this is how you get saved. This is how you experience the promise of eternal life. This is how you get a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. So he says, as you therefore received Christ, the, the way you experience the life of Christ, he goes on to say this, He says, as ye therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, notice this, so walk ye in him. Notice verse 7. He says, this is the way that you get rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Thank you, and you may be seated. What this passage is teaching us is this. That the same way that you start the Christian life is actually the same way you mature in the faith, all right? So throughout this series, um, rather than uh, discussing the gospel, and and, and to catch you guys up to speed, the gospel simply means good news. So, So what is the good news? The good news of Jesus Christ is this, that Jesus Christ came to this earth. God in the flesh came. He lived a perfect life, and yet he died on a cross to take the punishment that our sin deserved, and he took all of the consequences, he took all of the punishment, all of the shame, all of the guilt, all of the condemnation that we deserve because of our wrongdoing, and Jesus says, I'll take your place. I will take all your guilt, I will take all your shame, I will take all of your condemnation, and I will take the punishment and the penalty for it all, and here's what I'm going to give you in exchange. You give me all of your bad, he said, I'm going to give you all of my good. I'm going to give you all of my perfection, I'm going to give you all of my righteousness, and you don't have to do anything to get it, you don't have to do anything to earn it, I'm going to make you a trade if you'll simply believe it and receive that. And that is the gospel. The gospel is the fact that God came to this earth as a man, Jesus. He lived a perfect life. He died to take our punishment. He was buried, and the Bible says three days later, he rose from the dead, proving the power of the resurrection, proving he had the power, one, to give us the hope of heaven, but also the hope of abundant life here on earth. And so this is the essence of the gospel. It's the the good news. And throughout this series, rather than discussing the gospel in purely liturgical and theological and philosophical ways, which is easy to do in church world. I wanted to have a discussion about the gospel in the context of our everyday lives. Like, how does this good news of the gospel, of his life, death, burial, and resurrection, like, what are its implications when it comes to my relationships? Anybody here ever struggle in their relationships, maybe with a parent, uh, maybe with a spouse, significant other? You ever been in a place where it was just like, man, this doesn't seem to be working? Maybe, maybe some of you have struggled uh, with your kids and when they're teen- I, See, the reality is this. The gospel can inform and affect those levels. What about financially? Man, do we ever, man how, how does the gospel, how does it actually influence kind of, kind of just the practical areas of just our finances? How does it help them? How does it, how does it inform the way we navigate, you know, difficulties when it comes to that area? What about things like, you know, just struggles we have in our own lives? Things that, man, cause us to just live in a way that, man, we just don't even like ourselves. And it's like we try to overcome them, but we don't know how. 
We don't even want to be a part of them. It's like, man, I, I, can't, I can't help myself. Like, how does the gospel affect those areas of our life? And so I wanted to have this conversation over a few weeks to discuss how this lofty, heavenly idea of God coming to earth in the flesh and his life, burial and resurrection, how does that actually have any relevance to where you and I tend to live on a daily basis. Because in a lot of churches, it's like there's all this Bible language and heavenly talk, and then there's like the real world, you know, what happens on Monday at work and what happens on Tuesday in our families, what happens on Friday when we struggle with temptation, and it's just like, how does the gospel, this lofty heavenly idea, how does it influence and affect just kind of the everyday ordinary aspects of my life? And that's what we're trying to do with this series called blue-collar gospel, just good news for ordinary people. And so starting next week, we're just going to get in the nitty-gritty. We're going to talk about how, how does the gospel, how does it influence and affect just these areas of our life, and, and when it comes to things just like, you know, bitterness. You ever, you ever just get frustrated with somebody and you don't know how to get over it? How, how does the gospel, how does it inform just struggles we have, difficulties and problems that we go through? Does it actually have any relevance in the real world in which we live? And so next week, each week, we're going to just take an area and we're going to talk about how the good news of the gospel actually affects those areas of our life. But today, I want to just kind of wrap up the introduction to this series. I'm just, I'm just trying to give you some concepts that I think are important for you to understand in order to make the application in very practical areas of our everyday life. And so that's where we're going. That's what we're going to do today. I want to have a word of prayer, and then we're just going to dive into the Bible study. As this verse is teaching, what, what it's trying to communicate is that too many Christians, all right, and whether it's in other churches, this church here, too many Christians begin their spiritual life one way, and then they erroneously think that they have to continue their Christian life another way. Let me give you an example. Most people who believe the Bible, they understand that the way to have the hope and promise of eternal life in heaven with God for all of eternity, they recognize that the only way to receive that gift of salvation is by accepting God's grace by faith. Most people would recognize there's nothing I can do to earn my way to heaven. There's nothing I can do to earn God's favor. Uh, there's nothing I can do to be saved. In fact, the Bible is very clear about this. The, the scriptures say in Titus, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. The scripture is very clear that there is nothing you can do to earn your salvation, all right? Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter number two, it tells us, but the gift of God, there is grace that is given, for by grace are we saved through faith. It goes on to say, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should brag or boast. So the gospel, the gift of eternal life, is not something we earn. If you're, if you're at a church or a religious tradition that says you have to do this, 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 and this, and this to earn God's favor and to have salvation, I'm telling you, that is not Christianity, that's religion. Religion says you have to fill out this to-do list in order to get God's favor, and yet that is not the message of the Bible, 
all right? The message of the Bible doesn't say do this, do this, do that, do that, and then God will like you, then you can have God's favor, and then you can go to heaven. That's, that's not what the gospel, that's not what the Bible preaches. Now, depending on your church background or depending on what religion you were a part of, the list is different for every religion. One religion has this list, another religion has that list, the religion over here says you got to do these things, the religion over there says you do those things, but the common denominator of religion is a list of things you have to do in order to earn God's favor and earn salvation. It's a, it's a work you got to do. The difference is biblical Christianity does not say do this and do that and do those things. The, the message of the gospel says it's done. It is finished. Everything that needs to be done in order for you to be saved has already been completed on the cross of Calvary. Jesus did it for you. And this is, the, this is why it's good news. Because if, if the gospel was, hey, do these 20 things and maybe God will like you. Do these 30 things and maybe God will approve of you. Uh, do this list, wear these things, go to these places, then maybe God will have his favor, maybe then you can be saved. That's not the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible is not do. The message of the Bible is it's a gift of grace. It's a gift of grace. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to work for it. There's nothing you can do to deserve it. It is a gift of grace. Now, let me define the word grace for just a moment. Grace at its essence, just means this. It's God's unmerited favor. Grace is just God giving you something that you probably don't deserve because he is good. This is what grace actually is. So what happens is, I wanna, here's our theme for today. Our theme is this. The way we experience salvation, all right, the way we experience salvation is the same way we grow as believers. It's exactly the same. How did we get saved? Colossians 2, 6 says, the way you grow is the way, the way you got saved, the way you grow. How did we get saved? It was all of God's grace. It was just God doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And the way we experience it, the way we enjoy it, is by faith. We just believe it. We just believe it. How do, how do we get saved according to the Bible? How do we become a believer? How, how do we become a Christian? How do we get the promise of eternal life according to the Bible? What, you don't do anything. You just, you just believe that, according to scriptures, that Jesus did it all, and you accept it. That's why it's called a gift. Okay, just like at Christmas, you don't have to pay for a gift. You don't have to buy a gift. You just receive it, you unwrap it, you enjoy it. That is the way salvation works, all right? However, here's what's sad. A lot of people who believe that, that salvation is not a work of righteousness, that salvation is just a gift of grace that we experience as we put our faith in that, the gospel. A lot of people believe that, but then after a month or after a year, they get to this place where they start thinking, oh, but if I'm going to, if I'm going to grow as a Christian, if, if I'm going to experience life and life more abundantly according to the gospel of John, if I'm going to really be able to live life to its fullest, Yes, I, I get saved, I, I start my spiritual journey by grace, I don't, can't do anything, I just believe it, but then if I really want to be a better Christian, I want to experience life and life more abundantly, then I have to do something, I have to, I have to earn it, I have to work for it. But here's what Colossians is saying, this is what the Apostle Paul is saying to the church of Colossae, he says, no, the same way you started your relationship with God 
is the same way you're also going to abound in it. The same things, the same process that got you saved is the same process that's going to spiritually mature you. The same process that gave you eternal life and the promise and hope of eternal life is the same process that will also give you abundant life here on earth. It's the same. And the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, don't let somebody deceive you into thinking the process is different. Don't let somebody tell you, yes, yeah, so oh, salvation is just God's grace. But then if you really want abundant life here on earth, if you really want to grow, if you really want to, ch- you know, if change, then you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You got to try really hard. You got to make yourself do things you don't want to do. Can I say this? That also is an error. Because the way we develop abundant life here on earth is the same way we experience eternal life for heaven. It's all of God's grace. And we enjoy it by simply placing our faith in him and him alone. And that's how, that's how we experience deeper abundant life. I don't, deserve a, I don't deserve a better life. I don't deserve a joy unspeakable and full of glory. I don't deserve peace, a peace that passes understanding. I don't deserve to love and be loved. That's just a gift of God's grace, but I, I get to experience it as I simply believe that what was needed to be done in order for me to experience that has already been completed. Here's my question. Do you believe that? Because abundant life is the same as eternal life. You get it the same way. God gives it to you. He makes it available to you. And you receive it by faith. So we're going to unpack this here a little bit today. I want to talk with you as we dive deep into this process by which we truly experience the power of the gospel. I'm going to give you three statements, and I hope this will help us understand this a little bit deeper. Number one, growth and abundant life is made possible by grace. Growth is made possible by grace. Can I say this? If you're here today and you're like, man, I, I, feel, like I, I feel like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really doing well. Man, life's going good. I, I've been able to overcome difficulties in my life and I, I feel like on a spiritual level, I'm really trucking along. Can I say this? If that's you, praise God, that's awesome. But don't get arrogant about that. Don't get pious Don't get proud because the Bible says if you're experiencing that, it has nothing to do with you. It's God's grace that's making that possible. One of the saddest things in churches right now, and it just really just, oh, it irks me, is we get Christians running around who really do think they're better than everybody else who doesn't go to church. And they they try to be like nice about it, but deep down they actually believe like we're we're better. You get that holier than thou kind of aura about them. And it totally turns, just, it just repulses people. And I want to say this to you. In and of ourselves, we're not any better than people who don't go to church. If, if there's anything that's allowed us to experience joy and peace and love, if there's anything that's allowed us to experience life and life more abundantly, we have to be humble enough to admit that it's just a gift of God's grace, and we did nothing to earn that or deserve that. And so we've got to be humble, and rather than looking down our noses at people who haven't met up to our level or aren't where we are, I'm telling you, that's a, that's a pride that, that denies the gospel. Because people who understand the gospel understand that, hey, this is all of God. And I'm just grateful and thankful for what God has done. Even the Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. He says this. He says, it's but by the grace of God that I am what I am. 
I mean, you talk about the Apostle Paul. God used them to pen many passages in the Scripture. And even the Apostle Paul is saying, you know, I can't brag about this thing. I can't get arrogant. He says, if there's anything I've experienced good in my life, if there's any blessings, if there's any maturity, if there's any growth, he says it's all of God's grace because growth is made possible by grace. Abundant life is just God's gift that he makes available to everyone. Uh, it was St. Augustine of Hippo. He, he, he said this back in uh, 354 AD. Here's what he said. He said, grace is given not because we have done good works. When God gives this to people and he bestows grace on people, he doesn't give it to people who've earned it, who've done good things. That's what he's saying. He's saying you don't get good things from God because you've been good. He says grace is given not because we have done good works. Notice this. He says, but grace is given in order that we might be able to do good works. God lavishes us with grace. He lavishes us with strength. He gives us power. He allows us to experience abundant Christian life so that we can do good works. Don't get the cart before the horse. 2 Peter chapter number 3, verse 18 says this, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let me clarify this for a moment. Grace is not just pardon from sin in salvation. See, some people are like, no, grace is for salvation. It's so we can be forgiven and pardoned of our sin. That's a part of it. But grace is not just given to forgive us and pardon us of our sin. Grace is also given to the believer for power over our sin. Power over our struggles. Power over our temptations. To give us victory. Grace doesn't just give us pardon from sin. It gives us power to overcome sin. That's why the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have a power that was implanted in you the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So number one, growth in any area of our life is made available to us by the grace of God. Let's keep moving. So how do we get to experience? How do we get to enjoy this grace? If God makes it available to every human being, regardless of whether or not they earn it or they work for it, how do we actually experience it? Because here's, and, and get this, just because God makes grace available to you doesn't mean that you're enjoying it, doesn't mean you're experiencing it. There are people in this room right now, and God as a loving Heavenly Father is saying, I have grace for you, it's available. The gift is under the tree. You just got to go take it and unwrap it. It's yours. And there are maybe even people in this room and God's like, I've got joy for you right now, right here, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. And God's like, I've got peace for you. I've got this grace available for you. It is yours. Even though you're going through hard times in your life, I want to make this available to you. He's like, it's a gift I want you to have. He's got these gifts for us that he's made available. But there are people even in this room who are not experiencing what God makes available to them. They're not enjoying the gifts that God wants for them to have. So how do we experience and enjoy the grace that God makes available to all those that are in Christ? Statement number two. One, growth is made possible by grace. If we want to experience abundant life and growth in our life, and regardless of the area, it start, we, it, it's grace. It's just humbling ourselves and saying God's already made it available because of what Jesus did. But secondly, how do we experience that? How do we enjoy it? Because not everybody, who, not everybody who it's offered to takes it. And not everybody who gets it offered to them is 
enjoying it the same way. So how do we enjoy it? How do we experience it? Number two, grace is then experienced by faith. If you are not experiencing and enjoying God's grace right here, right now, if you came into this church today and you're just like, I don't have peace. Man, this is going on at work and this is happening in my relationships and I just can't be, I don't know why I can't be okay with it. Why am I not having peace? Or why am I, why don't I have joy? Why am I not happy? If you're, God says, I, it's, it's there for you. You can be happy in this circumstance. You can have joy in this circumstance. You can have peace right here, right now. But if you're not enjoying it, if you're not experiencing it, here's probably why. Because grace is always experienced by faith. The same way we got saved, how do we get the grace for salvation? By faith. We believe it. It's the same way we experience abundant life and joy and peace. We believe that God makes it available for us. We know that it is his grace and we put our faith and confidence and dependence on God's grace and we just believe it. And that is how we start experiencing it. That is how we start enjoying it. We don't earn it. We're not like, all right, well, God has peace and joy for me. I gotta do this and I gotta do that. I gotta jump through this hoop. I gotta play spiritual hopscotch here. And then when I get to the end of the game and I win, then God will give me peace. You're believing a lie. Because God says, I've got peace for you right here, right now, in the middle of your mess. I've got joy for you right here, right now, in the messiness of your life. See, most of us want to believe that I can only have peace and I can only have joy once my life is perfect. That robs you of something. Because the gospel says you don't need your life to be perfect in order to have peace, in order to have joy, in order to be, experience lavish love and compassion upon your life. It's an illusion that the enemy wants you to believe. He wants you to believe that you gotta get your life in order, that everything's gotta be perfect, the relations have to be, be perfect, your job has to be perfect, you have to have enough money in the bank and once everything is perfect, then you can be happy. And guess what? You will live the rest of your life in an illusion and you will never be satisfied because you are believing the lie that something in this world has to change in order for you to experience God's grace. It's a lie. You can experience God's grace right here, right now, in the middle of the messiness. Because it's a gift of God's grace. It's not something you do. It's not the way you organize your life. Grace is given to you. Here's what you gotta do. You simply need to have faith. Romans chapter number five, verse two is what says this. Romans five, verse two, the apostle Paul is writing to the church at Rome. He says, by whom also we have access, notice this, by faith into this grace. How do we get into the grace that Paul is talking about? How do we lavish ourselves? How do we experience and enjoy his peace and his joy and his love and all the gifts that he has available to us? How do we get access into that grace? Here's what Paul says, it's just by faith. You simply have to believe. That's the key. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. All throughout the scriptures, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk chapter number two, verse four says this. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 38 says this. Galatians chapter number three, verse 11 says this. Romans chapter number one, verse 17 says this. The just Christians, believers who want to grow and experience life and life more abundantly, the just have to live by faith. What does that mean? It means you just simply have to believe that all of God's grace is already available to you. 
do you believe it? Most of us will say we believe that, but then we won't enjoy and experience peace unless life's perfect. We won't experience and enjoy happiness and joy unless things are going our way. I'm here to tell you that the promise of the gospel is that you can have abundant life in the middle of all the mess, in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the craziness, when your boss is just being nuts and your spouse is driving you crazy and the kids are being wild and work is piling up and bills are piling up, God says, I have grace for you in the midst of that. But you have to believe that it's yours to enjoy it. And most people struggle to believe that. Why do they struggle? Because they listen. uh, (laughs) They listen to logic more than God. They listen to their feelings more than God's promises. They listen to their emotions. So here's what we're saying. We're saying, number one, growth is made possible by grace. We just humble ourselves and say, I can't do anything to deserve it. God's given it to me. Everything I need for life and godliness is already mine in Christ. So let me give you a third statement and we'll be finished. Growth is made possible by grace. Grace is experienced by faith. So grace is always available, but you might not be enjoying it. You might not be experiencing it because experiencing and enjoying it is it's done by faith. That's what the scriptures say, number three. So then we got to ask ourselves the question, where does faith come from, right? How do we get faith? How do we get it? How is it sustained and cultivated in our lives, Right? If faith is how we experience grace, and grace is what allows us to grow, then how do, how do we get faith? Okay, that's the question. Here's what Romans chapter number 10, verse 17 says. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. You know where you get faith from? God. You know where you get faith from? From the promises of God, which leads us to our third statement, and that is this. Faith is sustained by God and his promises. Faith is sustained by God and his promises. If you're lacking the faith to believe that God says everything you need, you have already in you in Christ, if you're struggling to believe that, you need to to allow the promises of God to just permeate your mind. You need to focus on them. You need to meditate on them because it it is focusing on God's promises that stir up within you faith. See, this is in your notes, but faith is simply taking God at at his word regardless of what your logic, feelings, or peers might be telling you. (laughs) Have you ever had your feelings tell you that you're not good enough? That you're not worthy enough to be happy? That you're you're not a good enough person to have joy? You ever had your feelings tell you that? Maybe it's your logic. Maybe you're one of these intellectual type guys and you're like, you're calculating, well, I did this much bad and I did this much good and I think my bad's outweighed my good. I don't deserve to have joy. I'm here to tell you it's a lie. Because grace is not given to you because of your performance. Grace is not made available to you because of your performance. Grace is made available to you because of the performance of Christ on your behalf. 
That is why you have access to grace. Grace both for salvation, but also grace to live abundant life here on earth. It's all of God's grace. Logic's going to try to tell you you don't deserve it. Your emotions are going to try to tell you you're not worthy. People around you are going to kind of look down their nose and say, <laughs> no, you, no, you're going to have to like straighten up. You have to dot your I's, cross your T's before you, you know, before we'll accept you. That's just not how the gospel works. You say, wait a second, this sounds really scandalous. You're telling me that I can experience eternal life in heaven and abundant life here on earth, and I don't have to do anything? No, I'm not telling you that. That's what the scriptures say. And anybody who stands behind a pulpit and tries to tell you something different is not teaching you Christianity. It's not teaching the Bible. It's, teach, it's peddling religion. Here's a good way to distinguish it. Religion is you working your way to God. Christianity is about saying, man, they have no hope. There's no way they're going to be able to make it to me. So God came down this earth to get you. It's totally backwards. It's scandalous. And God says, I'll meet you right there in your sin. I'll meet you in your weakness. I'll meet you in your failure. And I'll give you grace right where you're at right now. All you have to do is believe it. But we live in a world where there are thousands of voices telling us why we can't. So we've got to preach this gospel to ourselves. No, this is what's true. This is what the Bible says. This is what his promises declare. Here's what Hebrews chapter number two, verse two. This is a good verse. The Bible says, look unto Jesus. Notice this. Why? Because he is the author of our faith. He started in salvation, but it doesn't end there. No, it also says this. He's also the finisher of our faith. Can I say this? God doesn't just get this thing started. He's also the one that's going to continue it. He's also the one that's going to finish it. See, some of you, you're like sitting here. You're like, man, I don't think I can do this Christian life thing. Here, I've got some good news for you. You don't have to. Jesus will do it for you. But how do you experience it? You simply believe. Now, Mark chapter number 9, verse 24 says this. This is good. There's this man who comes to Jesus. And Jesus says, do you believe? Here's what the man says. He says, he's like, I kind of believe. And then he says this. Jesus, will you help my unbelief? How many of you have ever felt like that? Like, like I kind of believe, but then I know what I've done, and I know how I behave, so it causes me to doubt a little bit. In those moments, you just look to God, you look to Jesus, and you say, I, I, I believe, but you're going to have to help my unbelief. You're going to have to help my doubt. Why? Because faith is sustained by God and his promises. You say, why would I want to grow? If God accepts me just the way I am, if he rids me of all shame and all guilt and all condemnation, why, why would I want to grow as a Christian? Here's why. Because God, even though God loves you just the way you are, he loves you, in, he loves you in, even when you're sinning, even when you disobey, even when you're rebellious, even when you've turned your back on him, even when you just are struggling and in temptation, God loves you. Even if you're a Christian that's still struggling, God still loves you. You say, well, if God loves me and God accepts me, then, then why would I care to grow? Here's why. Because even though God loves you just the way you are, he recognizes that your struggles are hurting you. 
and he wants something better for you. There are some things that maybe some of you are involved in, and you don't even like, the, you don't even like what they're doing to your life. You don't like how they make you feel. You don't like the way they make you act. You don't like the way they make you behave. And God's saying, hey, I want what's best for you. See, this struggle that you're going through, it's keeping you from missing out on my best. And God says, I love you so much. I want you to have your best. And that thing is keeping you from joy. Those things are keeping you from peace. Those things are keeping you from experiencing love. And God says, I have something better for you. And he says, I got grace so you can overcome those things that are destroying you. Because he loves you. I'm going to say this, God loves you, he always will. But he gives us grace to overcome those things that are sabotaging us in this present world. That are robbing us of our joy, that is stealing our peace and keeping us from experiencing love. And so God says, I've got grace to help you overcome those struggles that are robbing you of those things. And that's what he has. So let's conclude here today. The same way we experience salvation, it's all of God's grace. We recognize that and we just simply put our faith in to receive it and enjoy it. It's the same way we experience abundant life here on earth. We recognize it's all of God's grace. Everything I need for victory in this life is all of God's grace. And the way I enjoy it and experience it is I simply believe that it's enough, that it's available. And then I live as if it's true. You just live as if it's true, like as if God's word is true. So here's the takeaway, we're done. I want to encourage you with this. Grow in grace. Grow in your ability to enjoy grace. Grow in your ability to experience grace. How? By faith. Believe it. Believe God and his promises. Believe it more than you believe your emotions. Believe it more than you believe your logic. Believe it more than you believe your past. Believe that everything you need for life and godliness is already yours. It's already available to you in Christ. So here's what we're going to do next week. If you come back, we're going to take the gospel and we're going to start applying it just to these struggles that all of us have. Why? So God will like us more. That way we want to overcome these struggles. So God will be like, ooh, there's a good person. No, God, God loves you. Why, why would we want to overcome it? So we can experience the abundant life that God makes available to us. So we can have joy and peace and the things that are robbing all that from us, we want to overcome. And we're going to show you how the gospel helps us to overcome in these practical areas of our life. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.